and welcome to the Your Success Personally podcast with your host, yours truly, Vanessa G, where we talk about success as defined by you. Here, we don't look at the playbook of others to bring you down. Instead, we are going to cover topics that pertain to how you, as an individual, can reach your goals and your potential. Don't look at others to define your success. You create it. Your rules, your way, and how you get there. Are you ready? <laughs> Let's go. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Your Success Personally podcast with yours truly, Vanessa G. As promised in my first episode, I am excited for today. This will be the first of several episodes that I'm calling Profiles in Success. My premise and belief is that success is relative. What success looks like in the media doesn't have to define you and your success. It is somewhat distorted belief system and overarching views of success uh, of a few people that tend to diminish the success uh, that's going on right now in industries all around us and in people that are more relatable to you and I, as opposed to uh, the multi uh, millionaires, but you know, they started somewhere as well. So without further delay, I am excited to introduce you to my guest and dear friend, Christopher L. Cheney, publisher of NV Magazine and chairman of the board for Connect, Safe Families, Peaceful Communities. So welcome and hello, Chris. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Vanessa. Thank you for inviting me to participate in your podcast. Well, I am excited that you agree to do this and, you know, I don't want to take up too much of your time. So let's just jump right in. Okay. Let's go for it. All right. So please give the listeners in your own words, the definition of a calling, then tell us about your own calling. Um, I think your calling is just your purpose and, you know, it's, it's what resonates with your spirit. And it takes a lot to get to that point where you really are able to listen for who you are Mm. and who you are in the world. And my calling, I've got, and and it evolves, really. It's it's not something that's static and where you have to say, well, this is who I am, but realize that who you are is going to change over time. And it's going to change as you encounter different opportunities on your path. Um, so for me, I know that I'm about connecting people to their vision. And I want to elevate them on their path, their journey, and help them to move forward. I also am someone who champions people. And I love telling great stories, as well as um, safeguarding um, the lives of people, and this falls into um, what I do as chair of Connect, um, safeguarding the, the lives of people around um, interpersonal violence, domestic violence, and supporting family, mm. as well as um, promoting gender justice. 
So that's a lot of the work of connecting for me. I'm a, a steward for the organization, and I just look to make sure that they have the tools to do the actual work um, in communities all over New York City to support that effort. Yeah, and thank you for that. You know, I 100% agree with you on your definition of calling as being uh, one's purpose. And I think a lot of times when people are up and coming, you know, uh, I wonder what exactly are they looking at? Are they looking at what makes their heart sing or are they looking at the the dollars, you know? Um, and so being able to kind of tap in and, and see where your own self is at, you know, self-awareness in terms of purpose and the fact that, it, yes, it is evolving and what you might be at 20 could be totally different at 50, right? Definitely. And I mean, and you have to balance it all out because, you know, the dollars are a significant part of the conversation. Mm. And I definitely know early on in life, you know, in my 20s, it was definitely all about you're chasing the dollar. Mm, you know, like yes. that was the that was that was the first on the list. Like, yo, does this make money? Does this make money? You know, and you know, I was focused on doing sales at the time. I was doing advertising sales, you know, early in my career. So it was all about you know getting this check in, mm. and it, it took time to get into you know having conversations where you weren't driven, your total motive wasn't about money. Like your conversation wasn't based on what do I have to say to get this deal done? Mm. Because in the, that conversation, you're just selling your soul. Like, you know, whatever I got to say to make this happen. <laughs> right. You know, <laughs> integrity be damned, you know. Yeah. So like for, for me, it's like I had, you know, the, with the magazine, with NZ Magazine, you know, the new mission of business, we had cigarette ads early mm. on. I hated having cigarette ads. You know, I had a, you know, my mother growing up chain smoked. I mm. hated her smoking. And I was always like, mom, do you know what this does to your lungs? You know? Like, You're right. You know, my I mom too. To <laughs> yeah. So, like, that was an issue. Like, and I had, like, you know, um, my grandmother you know, had lung cancer. My great-grandmother had lung cancer. But, like, I really knew this is what could cause. Right. But at the same time, I was like, you know, like, one of these, you know, one cigarette ad, you know, basically can pay the rent. Because <laughs> wow. they had to do, they did these two, they did three-page ads. Mm-hmm. And why they did three-page ads was two pages were the art, and one page was the warning. Of all the, you know, all the dangers of smoking. Yeah. And they had to legally put that in. So it was just this constant reminder of like, yeah, you don't <laughs> want to do this. You know, but, you know, so it was this kind of selling of the soul. Anytime that check came in, you kind of had to shake your head at it. But like, you know, at the same time, gave it to like, well, these people are adults. They're making their own decisions. Right, right. You know, I'm not making that decision for him. So that was a way of just justifying it. But at the same time, it still felt like it took a little piece of me every time I did it. Wow. You know, and uh, yeah, it's a, you know, moving forward in my career, you start, I think, to value your time and your energy more than it, more than money. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, yeah, this is a great check around this, but am I really interested in that? 
mission. You know, mm. that's not my mission. Do I want to give my time and energy to that? Because you really start to just value your time more. You know, it's not disposable anymore. Right. And I think that that's what it is, where you really start choosing powerfully where you want to spend your energy and who you want to be around. Right. You know, so, I mean, early on for me, I, you know, left corporate America where I was working as a journalist and you know, ironically, it was around. It was the the impetus to leave was the, and this you know definitely ages me. You know, and <laughs> okay. I'm sure your audience will <laughs> get it. Um, but it was the OJ trial. Ah, yes. Mm-hmm. And I remember it was lunchtime. I'm in a corporation. You know, working as a journalist. There's 15 different publications, and I'm probably one of I want to say three black men in the building who's not a security guard, right? Mm. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, just to give you the picture. Right. And the OJ verdict drops at lunchtime. And, I'm, you know, people are upset. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> the majority of people who were there who did not look like me <laughs> were really upset. And I was like, and you know, these are liberal-minded people. This is in New York. Right. You know, and I was like, wait. You know, before the verdict, you were like, he's not guilty. He's not going to, you know, he's not going to get convicted. Why are you upset? And, and the response was like, well, I didn't think they really were going to do it. So that was like, okay, I just need to be around my folk. So I started <laughs> to focus on black media after that. I was looking for opportunity in black media. So just as an example of like where you get moved to mm. on the course of like finding you know, kind of like where I belong and where I want to get my energy to. Okay. So since you did bring that up, first Mm -hmm. tell us about how um, and who, really, who taught you about success and give us a little bit about your success story. I would say I've definitely received different definitions and messages along the way. like from my parents early on, it was about do your work, get good grades. Like mm. That was success. Um, and definitely, like I was a great student, student in elementary and junior high and, you know, even at times during high school, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I think there's always like a rebellious period where you push back. Right. Um, but definitely I was, yeah, good grades was like the driver of this is this is what success looks like. It's all about good grades when you're a kid, and with the understanding that these good grades are going to propel you to have, and then it's creating what that have looks like. And you know, as a kid, it's like I'm gonna have a big house, and you know, I'm gonna have cars, and you know, like whatever that dream becomes right. from your childhood. Mm-hmm. So that was the big drive: get good grades, get good grades, get good grades, and you know. I did that and really, you know, having good grades did provide opportunities for me as a kid where I was in special programs and, you know, I did well on the citywide tests. So I was considered like a smart kid and that allowed me to get like advanced learning. So I was a part of the Bronx, uh, they, and I don't know, they still have it, but they had this something called the Filson Enrichment Program. Okay. And... What that did is during the summertime and during weekends, you got advanced learning at one of the 
top private schools in New York City. What it really opened me up to is that the there was differences of privilege. Mm, yes, yes. Early on. So now here I was taking a bus for like an hour to go to another part of the Bronx where you have to go into Manhattan to go back to the Bronx, right? And this is the Riverdale section of the Bronx. Uh-huh. And most kids from the Bronx may have never been to Riverdale, but Riverdale has some of the most high-income homes in New York City. That's like, right. Literally, man- mansions are there. That's and right. you walk around the neighborhood and they're gated, and you're like, wow, what is this? Mm-hmm. Because I'm a kid who grew up in the projects. So I'm like, are we still in New York City? Like, where are we? Are we still in the Bronx? Like, it was like, wait a second. This yeah. is the Bronx? And then to walk on the campus of a school that had an Olympic-sized pool. And that's where I learned how to swim. And it had cafeterias. A cafeteria with silverware. You wow. know, like, it was like, what is this? <laughs> and they had, like, separate buildings. Like, oh, you're going to the computer lab building. Like, got a whole building with computers. Mm-hmm. You know, as opposed to, like, you know, you know, my school, there was one computer, like it might have been in the principal's office, you know, right, like right. that. Like, Culture you shock, right? You didn't get computers to do junior high school, and that was like, oh, that was only for the remedial kids, so they could do reading on the computer. Like, what? Wait, we're the advanced kids, we can't get computers. Like, no computer time for you. Like, I don't understand. So, just unlimited resources. Yes. And then we would take trips and, you know, go to lakes and whatever. It was like, oh, like, wow, like, this is amazing. But it was like this, this other opportunity mm-hmm. um, and other world that I was exposed to. And then from that, I actually in high school went to, was in the A Better Chance program. So through the A Better Chance program, I went to one of the top academic schools, um, high schools uh, in the nation, which was interesting because what was interesting came one in going there, but then in leaving there, there was more of uh, impact mm. um, because I really, again, got to see differences. One, going there, it was weird. And, you know, the culture shock of you're in the suburbs. It was in the suburbs of Philadelphia. Uh-huh. Um, actually, it's the same school that, after me, um, Kobe Bryant, the late, great Kobe Bryant attended. So it's Lower Murray High School. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so... School definitely pushed me and tested me as far as academically. Um, being the only black kid in the class numerous times um, was also like a culture shock. Even though there were, it was funny to me because there were we would live we lived in a black community, so basically it was in a way school, of course, because I'm from the Bronx and now I'm going away to school in mm-hmm. high school, and it's like ten brown boys living together, which is stories beyond stories and lots of fun um, i bet but all of us from different cities newark chicago all of us from the inner city you know and we would get on the bus in the morning with a bunch of brown kids born and raised in that area but when we went to our classes they all like disappeared and i was like where are all these kids i went to was on the bus with right. and it just seemed like the kids who were from that area were not on par academically with the white kids in the school, which just always puzzled me. Wow. Um, But it was another lesson for me as far as success because I was on par, if not better, than 
white kids. And growing up in a black neighborhood, there was always this conversation, you know, being better than them, 10 times better, da 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 da, and this competition. Mm-hmm. And going like head to head kind of removed this issue of like white people are better, but, you know, like this kind of racial conversation that some kids grow up with. Right. We're, we're not as good as them. And they have so, and even if they had, you know, like really, even if they may have had other opportunities and economically, their families are definitely well off in comparison. Mm-hmm. Just you can compete intellectually. So that was a big lesson as far as success for me. Um, and also during that time to kind of the program, the ABC program set it up where there were people in the community that would give you the feeling of home. So they would do, you would have like what they call like house mothers or uh-huh. house parents. And you would go to their home, these people's homes for like Sunday dinner to kind of give you like a comfort of home. And that would happen like probably like once, uh, maybe a couple times a month mm-hmm. or maybe once a month, something like that. So I was really a lucky person back then. And my house mom turned out to be Patty LaBelle. Yes, that's right. And I've I've only seen her on Broadway, but you you've had the the wonderful opportunity of being in her home. Yeah, which was like just shocking, <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, from her, her husband at the time picking me up in the BMW, <laughs> driving me to the house, you know, and she greeting me in like a, a long T-shirt. Her hair was being done at the time. She had pink rabbit floppy slippers on and was just like just call me patty and i was like okay (laughs) (laughs) and then being in her lovely home where basically her closet her wardrobe you know where she had like a vanity i remember she had her vanity and you know makeup table and everything but it was the size of my bedroom Mm. you know back in the project and i was just like wow yeah I got to see another level of success and, but I got to see like a, this, you know, round people success, like, yes. wow, like, you know, so that was an amazing thing to see, but also it also made it attainable. Like, okay, I can, you know, I can have this, though I'm not going to become a singer, but this is attainable. Right. Because it was the first time, you know, I met, you know, a black person who was wealthy, you know, and I was like, wow, you know, like this, look at this you know so that was these were like lessons as far as kind of knocking down walls Mm. because growing up in a you know neighborhood where you know i wouldn't say we we weren't poor but we were like middle poor you know we were were middle class we were middle poor because you know like there was like you know down the block oh those are really poor kids yeah (laughs) yes i got you in our neighborhood, we were like the rich kids of the poor kids. Like, right, you know, right. Like, you know, new, people actually got new sneakers, you know, uh-huh. <laughs> keeping up with fashion. <laughs> you know, they would go to summer camp. Yes. And the dude ranches, stuff like that. We're like, oh, we doing, oh, people got, oh, who got HBO? You know, back then. Was, <laughs> you know, people, a couple of people know then who you could go hang out with. Yeah, exactly. And your just for the HBO. Like, that was another form of success. Like, oh, they got HBO. Right, they right. Like, oh, they got a VCR. Like, what? You know? Uh-huh. <laughs> so all these little markers of success. And 
growing up. You, you see success is always equated to what do you have materially. Right. And I think when you get older, you see success with what you have, more so what you have spiritually. Mm, exactly. And though there, be, there may be some who differ and still chase the material, but you see that there's a certain sallowness equated to how we may exist in the world. Right, right. Wow. And so propel us into um, preparing to leave college and looking into, you know, the, that first a job out of college uh, in your field because you started out as a journalist. Yeah. So in college, it, it was kind of like it was automatic in that I had an internship and I had it, it basically helped me pay for tuition because I you know, I paid for tuition myself. So, you know, it was the summer internship that I had for like three years. So just transition out of it um, and, and work at the place as a freelancer, it just made sense. Mm. Um, so I think, I think the, one of the coolest times working there besides, I mean, my first internship, it was a test to um, my talents in journalism because I was writing about the electronics industry and I would write about everything that goes inside of a computer mm. and there were you know I was writing about the motherboard and I was writing about the heat sink device and I was writing about things I you know I didn't know what they were like I was, <laughs> I was like what the hell and this is of course pre-google right I couldn't just google it You, you are dating yourself, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So basically, you work in conjunction with the fan to make sure your computer didn't blow up. I was like, okay. But I had to like literally see it to like understand what it was and then attach that there's an industry that all they do is develop that one product and they're making millions of dollars. So it was eye-opening and like, wow, there's someone successfully just doing this and they're making millions. They don't even make the whole computer. They just make this one part. You know, like, <laughs> kind of blows your mind like wow okay so I'm writing about this entire industry that I'm learning on the job mm -hmm. and I remember I had one article that I did and this is while I was in my first internship which was like eight weeks long during that eight weeks I wrote eight articles for a week this weekly publication uh -huh. so I was cranking out stories and learning as I as I went about the electronics industry um, so I remember one night I stayed, ended up staying late because I needed to interview someone mm -hmm. and he was in Korea. So I was there for a 10, I was staying, hoping that I could reach this guy for a 10 o'clock interview and that he spoke English. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, like I wasn't sure. Like, I hope he sees English. Right. We gonna see. And it was like a cold call. Like I didn't pre whatever. I was like, I just, you know, I have to wait to this time until they'll be available. And I'm just going to try to speak to the manager mm -hmm. and have an interview. <laughs> I saw this product and that ended up being my first front page story. Like I've shared the byline with someone there. Wow. But like that was a big deal because here I am at the time, um, a sophomore 
in college, and I have a front page, you know, a front page story in this weekly publication that reaches thousands nationally. So I was like, okay, you know, like, you know, it was kind of just like this affirmed my past. Like I truly am a journalist. I can write about anything. I'm clear about that because prior to that, all my writing clips were from the student newspaper writing about sports or whatever activities were going on in school from takeovers to whatever drama we had. Right. So that really tested me and, and allowed me to keep adding more polish um, as a journalist, but really just affirm my talent. And having confidence mm. is 100% part of the game. It's just you have to be confident in yourself and your abilities. Even if you're not sure how you're going to get something done, being confident that you have the skills to figure it out. Yeah. And I think that was one of the, the major lessons for me with regards to success. So, you know, I never went into a situation where I was like, I can't. And easily I could have said, I can't do this. I don't know anything about that. I don't know anything about that. You know, there's no way I can do this. Mm. You know, so that early on I've had it where it's like, no, I can't. It's not in my vocabulary. Yeah. And I think, Chris, what you're saying about having that confidence uh, probably speaks to a lot of our listeners, you know, um, and even to me now, you know, because as we do evolve in our lives and um, the areas where we may enter into, um, if we don't have the confidence to move forward, you know, success, I doubt success will really be possible. Hey, this was fantastic. And you know what? There's more to come. Join us for part two of Profiles in Success in two weeks. We come out bi-weekly, so I hope you enjoyed this episode today. In two weeks, we'll have part two where Chris will share his insights about uh, coping during the pandemic and what success may look like post-pandemic. Thanks for listening. So we have come to the end of our time together today. I hope our discussion was helpful to you. I wish you positive vibes and encourage you to do you as you climb the ladder of success. If you're feeling this episode, don't forget to give me a great rating. If you're really loving this, please subscribe and join the success journey. For more encouragement along the way, follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Your Success Personal. And remember, your success by your rules. Bye-bye.